This episode of the GL Review is brought to you by Unruled. Now, you may have heard of Unruled. They're an Amazon Prime bestseller. They're also a startup that's run out of the garage right here in Evanston by two awesome people, Bennett and Krippa. Anyway, what's the big deal about a notebook without lines? Look, I asked the same question myself until I bought one, and I have to say, I'm all in on this idea of visual thinking about being unruled. I'm not sure I can go back to using a normal notebook now. They look awesome, they're environmentally friendly, and they're designed and made right here in the U.S. Log on to BeUnruled.com and use coupon code POWDERBLUE to enjoy 15% off your next order. That's POWDERBLUE, no spaces. All right, back to the show. Welcome back to The GL Review. I'm Nathan Graber-Lipperman, creator and editor-in-chief of Unplugged, our sports and culture commentary website run out of Northwestern's very own The Garage. And today, I'm bringing you a guest I've been looking to talk to ever since he first put on lightning bolts. I'm talking, of course, about Justin Jackson, the ball carrier. Justin Jackson, the ball carrier? Yeah, that's why I said Northwestern's all-time leading rusher and running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. Look, the connection was enough for me as a diehard Chargers fan, but I also knew Justin would be a great guest for the pod because he's just a really accomplished guy. He was near 5.0 GPA student in high school as a three-sport athlete. He graduated from Northwestern with a degree in economics and minors in French and business. He was also, you know, really, really good at football. <laughs> Justin stuck around with the Chargers through their playoff run. He scored a couple of touchdowns along the way in his rookie season, and it's going to be really awesome watching him moving forward. Before we get into it, though, just poking around the website a little bit, it's obviously March Madness right now, and with Zion and R.J. Barrett tearing it up, Andrew Golden took a look at how they stack up against the greatest freshman classes of all time. It's a really fun article there. Definitely go check it out. Also looking at the tournament, the Bet Boys. Our resident degenerates, Chris Burton and Abriel Sirigar, made some bets on the tournament. They broke down the whole thing with the one and only Peter Warren, their special guest. Always a good time when you listen along with them. So, to check out more great content from the Unplugged team, log on to the website at powderbluemedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at Unplugged. That's U-N-P-L-U-G-G underscore D. And as always, you can follow me at ByNateGL. All right, here's my conversation with Justin Jackson. But first, our theme composed by the one and only Jerry Lee. Joined by Justin Jackson, the all-time leading rusher in Northwestern football history. Also, San oh man, even I almost said San Diego Chargers, and the media's been doing that so much. But Los Angeles Chargers running back. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, I mean, my first question to start off is, look, during your time at Northwestern, there's an essential debate, the most important thing you were probably facing every day. What's the best dining hall on campus? Ooh, um, honestly, the only one I've ever really went to was Sarge. I mean, I lived in Bob, so uh, I was there for was I there for two. No, I was there Bob then Kemper, so you know, I was always right there by Sarge. Um, I've been to Henman; that one's pretty <laughs> good. Um, but I mean, I gotta go with Sarge just because I knew a lot of the cooks there and yeah. a lot of the workers, and they're all really cool and they. They always hooked, uh, hooked us up with uh, some pretty good food. 
I don't I don't know that they might be more <laughs> I have no idea how it is now. But. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean only the important questions to ask first. But uh <laughs> So, yeah, I asked Justin to come on because, obviously, Northwestern Chargers connection is awesome. I I mean, looking back through my tweets from back during the draft, uh, there was rumors the Chargers were interested in you, and then they ended up taking you in the seventh round. Looking at your time and uh, growing up, going to Glenbourne North and Carroll Stream, suburb of Chicago, you sixth all-time in Illinois high school history for career rushing yards, seventh all-time in rushing touchdowns, two-time Gatorade High School Football Player of the Year, award winner in Illinois. And so why Northwestern? Why'd you choose Northwestern? Was it the academics? Was it the area? Or was there something about Pat Fitzgerald and the program itself that just convinced you it was the right choice? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of things. Obviously, the academics, obviously, being close to home was nice. Um, you know, I took a lot of business there. Really like the, the players I was able to stay with. Really like the coaching staff, obviously, with uh, Coach Fitz and uh, my running back coach, Coach Mack. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was obviously a huge plus and, and, um, I, you know, I just felt most at home there. Um, and I felt like I could really, you know, get everything that I was looking for, um, at that school. So it all just kind of worked out. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just talking about that coaching staff, what would you say is your best Pat Fitzgerald story? Uh, I mean, they're, they're endless. Um, <laughs> I don't know that honestly the best probably the best stories are just um you know off field stuff just you know you know all the interactions that i've had with coach fitz you know one-on-one interactions um you know he's obviously a character he's obviously a personality and you all see that and and really you know the same thing you guys see is really you know how he is you know when when the cameras aren't around so I think that quality and coach is, is probably why so many players um, are so loyal to Northwestern and why he's able to get the recruits you know that he gets. So, you know, that, I mean, that, honestly, I can't even just think of one story. There's so many. Mm-hmm. Um, just laughing back, making me laugh, and um, you know, you know, one of the reasons why you know to this day, um, you know, always he always you know have my back and always have his. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, just a great guy. Yeah. And I mean, I'll touch on the the Big Ten championship run and the Holiday Bowl in a bit. But um, what was it like seeing the the Walter Athletic Center and Ryan Fieldhouse open up? You know, the year after you graduated, uh, and just seeing that program the program take that next step. It was awesome. I mean, obviously, you know, I think our you know program really deserved, and, and really all of athletics deserved a, a better facility. You know, because of all the things that you know able to accomplish as a student athlete body i mean it was awesome that coach fits and then and dr phil could push for that um and get that done you know with all the you know, great support from from everyone who contributed to that and, and for them to be able to go to the championship you know the, the opening year i think that's that's obviously amazing and it just goes to show you know obviously it's not just the you know what facility you work out in but it is nice to have somewhere where you can, you know, go and be a refuge, and, and you can feel proud of it. And um, you know, I think it could be, you know, a big tool, you know, because high schoolers are like shiny things. So, <laughs> like, it obviously helps, you know, that. But it also, you know, it really pays for itself because in the end, you know, you, you get better, you know, recruits and programs highlighted more, win more. And it just, you know, it's a cycle that, you know, 
fulfills itself. So, you know, definitely something that I think the program can be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, people like me on the Ultimate Frisbee team get to practice there too. So it's like a win-win, right? Exactly. Uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so was there, in, in that whole awesome run, Big Ten Championship, I know mm-hmm. you also attended the Holiday Bowl, got to be there down mm-hmm. in San Diego. Was there a twang of sadness not being able to be a part of this team or was it just all pride watching from afar? I mean, you know, everything comes to an end, you know, and, you know, I had a great four years there. I would trade that for the world. You know, I loved all my teammates and, and all the experiences we had. Um, and, you know, I, and a lot, and talking to a lot of them, you know, a lot of them were at the Big Ten Championship game, you know. I, you know, me and God were able to go um, to the Hollywood, like you said, um, and just watch and be fans and, you know, you can't be in college forever. So um, I was just proud that they could, you know, like I said, take that next step, you know, that they could, you know, win those close games that they needed to perform, put Northwestern on an even bigger stage. And, and you know, I think it's just so great, you know, for the program. And you now I would never hold any contempt in my heart, you know, mm-hmm. because I did everything I could, you know, and, and we were very successful when I was there, and, you know. So I'm just really glad that they could, take that next step and i'm hoping that you know next year they could go out there and win it and um mm-hmm. you know so but you know i'm doing what i'm doing right now so i can't really look back <laughs> yeah um, you know you gotta just keep moving forward so but i'll always be a fan i always you know throw my support in there and you know obviously a lot of the guys that are still playing are guys that i played with so you know rooting for them and and you know i'll be there for them if they need me. yeah awesome so just to look back one more second so you were the all-time leading rusher in Northwestern football history, 5,440 yards, 41 touchdowns, third all-time in rushing yards for the Big Ten, four years with 1,000-plus rushing yards, ninth player ever to do it in college football history. But I mean, more specifically, looking at the Big Ten, how do you feel about the guy sitting four spots behind you in seventh place in terms of total rushing yards? Do you ever rub it in his face? Well, who, wait, who are we talking about? Oh, Melvin Gordon. Oh, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, I don't. I only think he played three years. So I'm sure if he, if he would have played another year, he would have, you know, had an, another amazing year. He obviously was a high finalist. And, mm-hmm. um, but I will, so, I mean, every single time it comes up, I will remind him that my freshman year when he was a senior that we beat him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have Watt on our team too. And the next year when he was a senior, we beat him as well. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that they'll always get that rubbed in their face. Um, you know, when it comes to stats, you know, that is, you know, that is what it is. You know, I don't, I don't really think about that too much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about the experience and just being able to, you know, play against those guys. And now I'm playing with them. It's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Sure fun win, for sure. I'm sure you rubbed it in this year too, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Especially because Wisconsin, you know, they, they had a rough go at it. So that was, that was fun to see for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. One last thing before we kind of transition on to uh, the combine, the draft, and then playing for the Chargers. Um, so I know you were saying before we started recording that you saw the video the NCAA released about the day in the life of a student athlete. And they released this video, instantly gets slammed by a ton of people on social media, including a lot of pro athletes. Um, mm-hmm. Over the summer, I talked to a past NFL player, Ryan Lacasse, who was... Uh, on the Colts Super Bowl winning team in 2006, didn't really mm-hmm. stick around in the league after that, went back to school, got his business degree, and now he works as an analyst for uh, Goldman Sachs. And mm-hmm. I, he was very of the mindset like, 
look, I just stuck my head in the dirt and worked really, really hard in college. And uh, I also made it in the pros for a bit, but then I, I thought it was all worth it in the end. And you're someone who also, you know, succeeded very much so in high school and both high school and college. I mean, mm-hmm. high school, close to a 5.0 GPA while being a three-sport athlete, transition to college where you graduated from Northwestern having majored in economics, minored in French and business. So I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on the whole student-athlete debate, right? I mean, yeah, I think everyone has their, has their opinions. It's probably influenced by their own experiences, so. I mean, there's definitely why I think there's a wide range of debate. Um, I think at the end of the day, uh, people have the most money, have the most power, and right now, the I know that's obviously the organization mm-hmm. you know everyone plays under. Um, and you know, I think obviously you can debate it. You know, to the to the cows come home. Should players get paid? Should this? Should that? Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, they're making a lot of money. Uh, you know, I don't think the people who are generating that value are seeing enough of that money or if any, mm-hmm. um, but that's really a, really a microcosm for, you know, really our country right now, because people that make the value in a lot of places, um, don't really get to see enough of that, uh, you know, wealth shared with them. So I, you know, I think it's a, like I said, a microcosm for a larger debate that needs to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that video was, and it kind of coalesced a lot of people to just see that. Yeah. You know, obviously they're not very uh, in touch yeah. with, uh, with uh, the experience of a student athlete. And I think the funniest thing I saw about it was people said UK, they couldn't even use a real student athlete because that's against their rules. Yep. <laughs> and, and this just goes to show the irony, you know, obviously it's just falling on deaf ears. Um, but, you know, I think, it's such a large institution that it is going to take a lot of you know effort and a lot of organization for uh, for anything to be done about it. But I think that fervor is kind of being um, you know ignited, and you kind of see it everywhere. And like you said, a lot of pro athletes are talking about it, and a lot of people who had that experience whose colleges made a lot of money off of them, they couldn't even use their own name to to run a camp in the off season and make a little extra money. So it's kind of yeah. Yeah, it's kind of wild uh, when you get down to the, the brand details of it. Mm-hmm. So would you say, like, is this a conversation like you and a lot of other pro athletes are having with each other kind of constantly or is it more in the background? Um, I think, it, I mean, it's just tough because obviously we have a lot going on mm-hmm. um, when we're together, you know, when we're talking and stuff where we don't have a lot of time or we're very busy just, you know, in tune with what we have to do our job. But, um, I think, I think everyone's pretty pretty cognizant of of uh, the unfairness of um, NCAA, mm-hmm. and um, I don't think a lot of the arguments that are made by people that aren't in the uh, that aren't in our community really, mm-hmm. um, you know, everyone can see that those arguments are the arguments against any type of compensation are very uh i think misguided and a lot of people who don't have that experience that we have mm-hmm. actually playing um it's hard for them to i guess empathize mm-hmm. um but, but for all of us that did play and that went through it it's very easy for us to sympathize with each other um and so yeah i, I think 
like I said, it's a very interesting debate, and there's a lot of details that would need to be had and need to be, uh, you know, parsed out, parceled out. But um, I think that's something that, with all the resources that the NCAA has, and that you know, this just the business of college sports has, I think that can be done if they really wanted to. I just don't think they do. Yeah. No, absolutely. Again, you graduated from Northwestern, majored in economics, minored in French and business. How important to you was getting that degree? Um, uh, for me, I have a lot of interest, so you know it was important for me. Uh, you know, obviously, you know what a a degree can do uh, for your life. Um, you know, just in this economy, you don't have a degree, you don't have much unless you're an entrepreneur, and, you know, anything like that. So. Um, I think uh, that was just important for me, for my family. That it's always been something that I've just wanted to do. Um, mm. So that that was important for me. But uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I did what I had to do. You know, I, I used you know sports as a vehicle to get my education, and and vice versa. I used education as a vehicle for me to to get where I am now. Um, so you know, I think it's something that. You know, that's that was something I valued, but you know, everyone doesn't value that the same way. Everyone mm-hmm. I don't personally don't think everyone's meant for college. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, I don't think that makes them any lesser of a, you know, citizen or any lesser of a person. Um, you know, in a lot of other places in the world they do a lot more trade school stuff and but I think it's just the the argument for just getting a college degree with sports. Um, I, I don't think that's a great argument because a lot of people just want to play sports and they don't want necessarily to um, have to go through classes and everything like that. You know, I think that's okay too, personally. But mm-hmm. like I said, everyone has their own thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so let's say, I mean, you obviously showed you belonged in the league after this your rookie year, but let's say it didn't work out. You know, you didn't get drafted or you get cut in the offseason. No one picks you up. What hmm. other dream do you think you would have pursued? Um, I'm not sure. I think uh, it's it's tough. I still think I'm figuring out, you know, what my passions are. Um, I think a lot of the first jobs that people get anyway aren't necessarily what they want to do. I think they just uh, end up, you know, getting something that can support them and you know, you know, pays, you know, just so they can live, um, support themselves. But um, I think a lot of people. Or I guess I won't speak for everyone. Personally, I don't think I've, you know, found my passion other than football. Um, so I'm not sure. That's that's uh, I I would have had to have some time to reflect on that. Mm-hmm. I think I was so busy all the time in college with with football and just getting my degree, and then after college it was training and just you know 100 percent of my focus on football. So I guess I never really had the chance to sit back and reflect on what else I would do. So. Yeah. You know, as of right now, I'm not sure, but I don't think uh, you know there's anything wrong with that. I think a lot of people, even if they are working in a certain field, are, are really unsure. What, what the is, yeah. Um, well, one of your passions certainly was French, right? Because you told me you're recently traveling in France. So yeah, how'd your French hold up? C'est bon ou non? <laughs> That's my it seven years of French right there. <laughs> it's it pretty good. Um, you know, I, there's definitely a lot of room for me to improve which is you know like anything in life um immersing yourself in the, in the culture definitely helps a lot you know i feel like over the two weeks i was there i learned a lot more um but the toughest thing in, in the united states no one really speaks it 
Mm-hmm. And so you have to go to Quebec and Montreal yeah. just to get kind of a, a taste of it. And really, the French there is, is much different than France. So um, yeah. I, just, I think it's just trying to stay up with it, trying to you know listen to uh, you know, French news, French music. Um, mm-hmm. Just and that's really how they learn English is um, obviously not only through courses, but they listen to a lot of American music. Um, they watch American news. They watch American TV, American movies, and that's really how how they learn. Um, so you know, I have to pretty much do the same when I have some time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I gotta say, I was in Montreal over December break, and um, I was all prepared. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna dust off the French. Like, let's go. And then every single person we talked to talked to us in English. They were like, oh, they're Americans. So uh, yeah, I don't know if it's accurate representation of French culture necessarily. <laughs> Yeah, that tends to happen. Well, especially when they know, uh, when they recognize that you're an English speaker, they tend yeah. to just, um, instead of trying to struggle through your kind of shitty French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, just kind of looking still at that um, before you get drafted. So, back in September, you were asked about getting drafted in the seventh round, and you told the LA Times. It just comes down to how you work when you get here. I don't think it really matters how you get here. It's about what you do when you get here. So that was my mindset going in. Just, I mean, again, you said earlier in the interview, like you're not a huge numbers guy, but looking at the career you had and the combine, which you really killed it at the combine. um, Was there a chip on your shoulder looking back on the past year, having been drafted in the seventh round or now? Um, I think, um, I think everyone, well, maybe not everyone, but I think a lot of players have a chip on their shoulder. You know, the guys that are drafted early, they want to prove why, you know, their value is so high. The guys that were drafted low want to prove that their value wasn't high enough. So, you know, I think where you find your motivation, that's subjective. Um, you know, some people are doing it for money. Some people are doing it for um, their family. Some people are doing it just because they love the game. You know, there's a lot of different motivations that go into it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like I said, it comes down to just how you produce, how you perform, um, and, uh, you know, what type of value you bring to a team. So uh, for me, it was always just trying to prove, um, really just trying to prove to myself. You know, I I think at the end of the day, you just have to, you know, look look at yourself and say, you know, did I do everything I could um, to, you know, prove my value? Did I do everything I could to, you know, help my team? And I think last year I did that. You know, I Mm -hmm. I put the work in. Um, you know, I had to come, you know, get through an injury, um, you know, start our practice squad, you know, move, you know, keep working just to make this actual roster. Yeah. Keep working just to, you know, get an opportunity that my coaches trusted me enough to get in the game, get in the game, get an opportunity to actually perform. Um, and even when, uh, you know, the starter Melvin came back, Austin came back to stay ready, playing especially. And so, like mm-hmm. I said, it's just, it's a process. Um, and, and, you know, I know that. Um, and so now I'm just looking trying to improve on my, upon my game from last year. And, uh, and it's all about coming back and proving your value, proving why you, you know, deserve to stay around. You can't really dwell on uh, any other success because this league is a what have you done for me type, uh, type of league. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you see pretty much anybody can get moved, cut, released, traded. Yeah. Even the guy who's probably the you know biggest media market, marketing head in the OBJ yeah, yeah. look at look at him. So uh you never Tony, know. Antonio Brown too. Antonio Brown, Olivia, all those guys. So you never know. You never know in the sleep. Yeah. 
I mean, hey, the Raiders are going to be interesting this year with uh, Tyrell and Antonio now. But um, yeah. so True. you go to the Chargers, you get this established quarterback in Philip Rivers, who you know got a. I got to insert my bias here. I got a Philip Rivers jersey back in 2006 when he was first starting, and <laughs> I had it, it. I wore that thing until the paint rubbed off. But uh, <laughs> what's what's your best Philip Rivers story from your rookie year? Um, he's. Honestly, probably the best stories with him are just, uh, you know, on the way back from road trips, he'd, uh, he'd have like a big group of guys just around him and they're just going through the game. He's joking. They're talking about, he's talking about his reads. He's talking about what happened. And he's just, and it's just so, it was so awesome to just see how his football mind works. And, um, but also just to see the type of leader he is and the type of guy where he just attracts you know, defensive guys, offensive guys, line, you know, DBs, linebackers, and they're just all so, you know, attracted towards his, uh, just his aura and, and the way, you know, he, he carries himself and, and um, just his personality. And I think that's why he's such a great leader. And that's why he, you know, through all these years, through all these different teams, through, you know, him playing on a team in the late 2000s, early 2010s, and now Gates was pretty much the only guy on the team that played with them way back then. Mm-hmm. And yeah. For him to be able to make those new connections with new players and new teammates and new coaches, and you know he's been through staff after staff, and it's just you see why he's stuck around and why he's the focal point and really the core of uh, the LA organization. Um, so you know I think that's really what stuck stood out to me about him, and, and that's why I think he's a great quarterback, great leader, great teammate, and, and why uh, you know I think. We will always have his back. He'll always have our back, and um, and, and this organization uh, wants to you know keep him keep him around, even though he's up there in age. He's still performing. He's still you know our best shot to mm-hmm. uh, take that next step. Yeah. Um, so just looking at the the preseason. So among Chargers fans, and I'm curious to hear if this is a thing with the the players on the team too, but. Among fans, there's always the joke that every announcer, whenever Antonio Gates gets a catch or a touchdown or anything, they always make sure to mention, did you know Antonio Gates played basketball in college? And mm-hmm. so I kind of got that sense. It seemed like every piece I was reading from like chargers.com or whatnot last summer that was focused around you, every mm-hmm. single one made sure to mention, Justin Jackson, super, super smart kid. Did you know he went to Northwestern? You know, so... <laughs> I was wondering, did did you feel like you had a reputation in that regard in the locker room as the smart guy? Like, did you ever get any crap from? I feel like Desmond King, you know, like a fellow Big Ten rival, might give you some crap. He seems like the kind of guy who'd do that. <laughs> yeah, me and Des definitely had our battles, uh, but he's one he's one of my really good friends on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny dude, a great player, uh, great teammate too. So yeah, but um, I mean, he's probably salt mostly salt because his senior year we beat them, <laughs> um, uh, so that was pretty fun. Uh, but uh, maybe he's junior. Um, but um, yeah, I think there's definitely that. You know, your you know your reputation precedes you, right? Um, and uh, you know, everyone thinks that everyone that goes to Northwestern is really smart. Um, you know, I consider myself an intelligent person, but I will always tell everyone that everyone that was on my team was not. That I did not think that was the case for everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, especially book smart. Uh, that's just. That's not the case. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, but, you know, I think relative to other student athletes, we obviously have a, 
tougher experience academic wise, academics wise, so we have a higher standard. Um, just not only getting in, but staying eligible. Um, but at the same time, you know, it comes down to what you do on the field anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can use some of that intelligence to help you on the field, then great. I have a high football IQ. But if you don't have a high football IQ, then I, that intelligence really doesn't mean anything when it comes to the NFL. So, um, yeah. 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 Now, um, so also, yeah, just like related to that. I mean, one of the things I remember reading too, is that you said in college, even though you weren't playing special teams, you were always in the the room learning and working right with the special teams guys, because you said that to make it in the NFL, you knew you'd have to play that role. And so you get promoted to the roster before the week four game against the Niners. Obviously you were kind of talking about that whole hamstring injury in camp and how difficult that was you work your way back to the final preseason game against the Niners and then you get cut signed to the practice squad but then you get promoted before week four and your role was mainly as a special teams guy which Mm -hmm. again you were preparing for but I mean in any event what was that moment like when you stepped onto an NFL field during the regular season for the first time oh man it was exciting um you know obviously you you know work so long to uh you know get that opportunity um so it was, you know, definitely exciting. It was nerve-wracking. It was fulfilling. You know, it was all a bunch of different emotions wrapped into one. Um, but, you know, it's what I had worked for. So you really just, you know, you get the jitters out. You play those first few plays. And after that, it's just football. Um, and it, it was under a different capacity, obviously, than I was used to. You know, being out there on special teams and, and really being a role player. Um, but like I said, it's all a process. And, and later on in the season, I, I did get to, you know, play the role that I had used, been used to playing and show that I'm capable of, you know, going out there and making plays. So um, that was, I guess, the beginning um, of a process that I, you know, I'm still working at. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see how I improve next year and, and hoping to, to do bigger and better things. But we'll see. You know, you always just, uh, you know, got to take it a day at a time and prepare yeah. yourself for, for, uh, for the grind. Yeah. I mean – Look, just looking back uh, later in the season, it's week 13, Melvin's banged up, it's up to you and Austin to carry the load against the Steelers on primetime, the midst of this great playoff run, Sunday night football, and you showed up, you took eight carries for 63 yards, iconic picture with that first touchdown too, so just walk me through that night too and that game as you guys did come back from a 23-7 deficit. Yeah, I think that was a pivotal point in our season. Um it was you know, obviously playing in Pittsburgh Stadium is very tough, you know, playing in prime time. Mm-hmm. I've been preparing myself, you know, I knew I was gonna, you know, maybe get an opportunity, you know, I knew Austin be starting and obviously it's tough to just have one running back out there. So I was ready myself for the moment. Um and uh I, I didn't really play the first half because we didn't have any long drives. We had a lot of three and outs and mm-hmm. and so um I didn't really get the opportunity. But once I finally got to go in, I, I really just, I didn't feel nervous at all. Um, I was just ready to go, ready to finally get out there and you know, carry the ball and do what I've done since I was eight years old. So that was <laughs> definitely a good moment. Um, and, and I was just glad I was able to you know, produce and, and help us come back. It was an insane game. Between yeah. that against City game, those were just crazy, yeah. crazy games that, you know, that I'm just glad I was able to be a part of. And hopefully it can be a part of more. Um, and that's, that's, you know, what you work towards. I saw some list that I think NFL network put out of the top 10 games of the season. 
and neither the mm-hmm. Kansas City or Steelers games were on that list. I was like, who is watching these games? But um, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it is what it is. I know I think a lot of us will remember it, and, and a lot of I don't know, just football fans will remember those games too. They were they were fun to watch for sure. Yeah. Um, so kind of wrapping up, you guys make the playoffs. Awesome win against the Ravens in the first round. Kind of ran into a brick wall in New England. What would you say was the sentiment surrounding the team following that loss, and what are you expecting in 2019? Um, uh, obviously, everyone was pretty upset. You know, we really wanted to perform much better than we did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that, that was mostly the sentiment. But uh, I think a lot of us realized that we had, you know, I think two years before this year, they they were like terrible, like four and twelve or something. Last year, they were like eight and eight. Yeah, barely in the playoffs, and then. Or two years, two years, or the year before last, and then last year, obviously won a first round game, made it to the second round. So I think we just want to keep building on it. You know, I think we had a, a lot of young, a lot of our team very young. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, pretty much other than Phil and uh, <laughs> like me, Bain and Russ. Yeah. Like, everyone's like pretty darn young. So, um, I mean, they're obviously still playing at a high level. So it's just nice to have those bets around and a lot of young guys and youth coming in. And, um, you know, a lot of guys that, I've been with the organization since they were young, you know, whether they drafted or, or got signed. And a lot of guys feel very loyal to the team and, uh, you know, feel like, um, you know, they, they have a lot of stake in it. You know, they care a lot, which I think is big. And we have good team camaraderie. And that leads to uh, usually to, to, a, to a good team and a good framework for uh, moving forward. So I think that's what a lot of people felt is that we had developed that framework mm. to be able to have, uh, future success so i think we're all looking forward to getting back together and um start another year yeah absolutely and i mean speak on that i know you got to run so one final question um so it's eluded me for so long i have to ask where can i get a justin jackson number 32 jersey oh man um <laughs> i think you i think the best way is you have to go on those websites and you have to customize them. Uh-huh. They don't, they only have certain jerseys that are like pre-made. You know, obviously the bigger names like Bosa and Mel or both Mel's, Bill, Keenan, those guys. Um, but uh, I'm pretty sure you can go on there and custom make one. Um, you know, they have like a slide down bar and you can choose the <laughs> player. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you could do that. Um, I'm almost positive I'll have the same number, but I can't guarantee you. So maybe you want to mm-hmm. wait. <laughs> but uh, if you get the 32 that's the og rookie year one so yeah that's how you spend that <laughs> yeah well it's been great talking to you justin good luck with spring training and everything hope everything Thank goes you, well i appreciate you man. all right take care you have a good all right take care that's it for the geo review I mean, look, I told you at the top of the pod, I knew Justin would have a lot of great insight. Awesome, really interesting guy. And if you're interested in keeping up with him, you can follow Justin on Twitter at J underscore man prime 21. That's J underscore man prime 21. And check out some Chargers games in 2019. I mean, yeah, I'm biased, but any objective observer can see that this team is prime for big things this year, right? Right? I'm sure Jaguars fans could... uh say something about that after the disaster they had this past year. But hey, I think they'll be playing the Bears at Soldier Field too, which that's going to be a must-see for me. It's going to be freezing cold. I think that's what 
Chicago and Soldier Field are just known for at this point, but it'll be awesome seeing Justin come back in the Chicago area. Anyway, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at ByNatGL. You can follow the website at Unplugged, that's U-N-P-L-U-G-G underscore D, and log on at powderbluemedia.com. Until next time, see ya.